Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So, Eric Bilstead, did you come through yesterday's storms relatively unscathed? Yeah, I was pretty lucky. We got hit a little bit, but it didn't sit over our house like it had many others. You, you know, it, it's... I, I, my experience yesterday, it's the kind of the classic example of somebody's always got it worse. So where, where I live, yesterday afternoon, about 2 o'clock or so, it just that the heavens open mm-hmm. up, boom, and, and we lose power. And there, I mean, I don't know why we lost power, but there was like this surge and stuff. And we got it back about a half hour later, but it, it just pouring rain and then you know as, as i'm trying to dig out after the pouring rain the the, the power thing had knocked out a couple breakers i had to reset those and we have a we have a, a stove and it, it's it came with the house it's about 15 years old i mean a double oven and it's got one of those electronic displays on it okay and so there's a, this power search well the oven still works but you know normally you'd like set the timer on it it's a digital timer it that won't work it's it just so something happened in the power surge mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that did something to to screw up the thing but the oven still works and i you know and it's either you replace the oven or you have somebody come out and replace the circuit board which would be a few hundred dollars which you probably wouldn't put into a 20 year old oven sure. but but the bottom line is but i'm i'm whining about it but the oven works it's it's not the end of the world other than that fine no water in the basement no no problem at all but i'm still i'm kind of grumbling ah, it just mm-hmm, knocked mm-hmm. out the oven so then i come in this morning and i'm talking to our executive producer nick who's talking about how he he's just he's in a new house and it's it kind of the basement sort of flooded yeah, and they had yeah. and it, it was just like water coming up through the like the the drain in the basement mm-hmm. so it's you know I said well how much he said well no more than an inch or so I said oh, okay but but it's still it's like it's unfortunate right it is unfortunate but I mean okay well you're knocking out you know circuit board on a on an oven who you know, cares and then I'm listening to the story about Scafidi with the tree limb knocking down Isn't the power line setting oh. his like shed on fire and it is it's kind of like all right there's always somebody that's mm-hmm. worse off with this stuff and everything that shed gone i mean sure. the, the video that he sent of the fire of that i mean it was intense and they right. had to sit and watch it burn because the fire they couldn't the crews couldn't go in until they turned the power off right and oh well oh. it just it, it's so weird how hit and miss it was yesterday because i was i was playing golf yesterday morning and i i play at a public golf course, Hawthorne Hills, which is in Sockville. And so for the last four or five holes, it started, It it this is, so this is about like 1130-ish. Okay. It starts to rain. And I'm not, and it, it was raining moderately hard, but, you know, it's coming down. And then as I'm driving home, there, there was no rain, you know, where, where I live, you know, 10 miles mm-hmm. south or whatever. It, it hadn't rained at all. And then... You know, you have the whole thing, you know, like I say, at like 2 o'clock, it's just like the heavens open up. And then last night, I'm kind of just like tinkering around the living room and stuff. And just for kicks, I turn on the news at 10.15. And I'm and where I live, a little tiny bit of rain in the evening. And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm seeing cars that are yeah, stuck. And, amazing? you know, and they're talking about five inches of rain and, you know, 20 miles to the north, almost nothing. Isn't it's that just, crazy? Yeah, yeah, it really was. So. More than six inches in Greenfield. Six in just in a in a limited period of time, right? Just a couple mm-hmm. hours, right? Just no, it was just nuts. Well, it is. So I guess that that's the, the the bottom line of this is I, I hope you were able to get through the rainstorm, but it, it really does underscore no matter 
what what happened to you? There's somebody else that has it a lot worse. So count your blessings. All right. A lot of stuff on today's program. I was off on Friday, thanks to uh, Brian Noonan for filling in. As a matter of fact, it was interesting because Friday morning, uh, you know, it was supposed to be the Brewers' home opener. I had gone to the dentist to have a crown put in. So I'm driving back about 845 of WTMJ on, and I hear, oh, it looks like the game is going to be canceled. So it was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So, I mean, I actually, I, I was the good employee. Now, I, I had a I had a regularly scheduled day of vacation, and I, I had stuff to do Friday afternoon. But it, being the good employee, I got home, and I immediately sent a note to the program director saying, look, I know I'm supposed to be off, but I also know that we're kind of shorthanded on fill-ins and stuff. And if you need me to come in, I am willing to do it. And they said, no, stay home. <laughs> you know, we, we, we got it covered. We don't need you. And that, but but it, it really, I'm like, wow, because, you know, that's one of the things. Since we had Miller Park, there there's, you know, there's always baseball games. I mean, baseball games are are not called off you know when they're on the road you always have to worry about is there going to be rain or something but you know they're not called off except now in the era of COVID-19 they are let us get started and I know I'm I'm sure this was probably discussed over the weekend but I I I do want to review this and and, and wade in because we're starting to see you know two weeks into the start of the baseball season the problem that baseball is having you had Games canceled involving the Miami Marlins when there was a widespread outbreak of COVID-19. And you've got a lot of teams that don't even want to travel to Miami right now because that's a that's a hot spot. In addition, now you have the St. Louis Cardinals that uh, that they've had. I don't know if it's fair to say it's a it's an outbreak. It's certainly not an outbreak like they had with the Miami team, but th- there was enough game, enough you know players that were sick that you know that they had to cancel the entire weekend series with the, the Brewers. Now it is interesting because both with Miami and St. Louis, they're not reporting who it was that got sick and or what they might have been doing beforehand. You know, there's anecdotal reports out there saying some of the St. Louis Cardinals were out playing golf, and uh, there's reports that the Miami Marlins um, were apparently, you know, out and about on the town when they were in Atlanta a week and a half ago. So there's not a bubble like there is with the NBA teams where at least you can control the activities of the players and you you keep them essentially as quasi-prisoners in the Disney World property. Major League Baseball, the team are traveling from city to city and young men being young men apparently some of the players have not been as good as you might hope as far as following the protocols and and not going out and not risking getting exposed and then once they come back they're in close quarters with their teammates and and that's where you see the outbreaks our number 855-616-1620 that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line before this all started my estimate was I thought it was about 80-20 that they would not be able to complete a 60-game baseball season. Some people disagreed. Some people thought it was just like a 100% dead lock, sure thing, that they weren't going to be able to pull this off. A week and a half into the season, and I, I look, I'm, I'm a baseball fan. I, I want to see this work. So I'm, I'm not rooting against success. But a week and a half into the season, I, I think I, I'm moving mine from about 80-20 that it's not going to work, probably about to 90-10 that it's not going to work. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Will baseball be able to complete its season? You know, will they be able to go another six, seven weeks, whatever it is, 
without having such a degree of spread of COVID-19 that they essentially just just have to scrap it. Will they be able to pull it off? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, unless, unless they're able to figure out some different protocols or make some major changes, I, I just I, I think what's been going on the first 10 days is probably indicative of the problems they're going to have moving forward. 855-616-1620. I say it's about 90-10 no, that they're not going to be able to make it work. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, it, it's not hard to see, kind of where the these problems are. In basketball, you've got the the quote unquote bubble. So you've got everybody on on property at Disney World, and they're controlling who comes in and who comes out. And if if you break quarantine and you leave the property and you get caught, well, then you're going to be put, you know, in a quarantine for a while. And, and so there's at least an ability to kind of keep the players segregated. What, what's happening in baseball is completely contrary to that because you've got the, the teams – and the people that travel with the teams. I think the St. Louis Cardinals, I think I saw their traveling party was like 58 people. Well, what, what happens is they're, they're, they're staying in hotels. They are not, they're not prisoners. Now, the, you know, they, they encourage the teams to be careful and avoid restaurants and bars and other indoor places with crowds. But they really, they, you know, it's not like they have security guards that, that stop people from, from going out and doing that. So I think, you know, the, the reports were the Miami Marlins. Some people went out to some places that they typically go when they were in Atlanta for an exhibition game. I know for St. Louis, they confirmed that some of the players went up and were playing golf. It's, it's what they do when they have off days in different cities. But as long as you're going to be going out into the general public, and particularly if you've got you know, younger ball players. And, you know, they're going to be going into situations where they're going to be exposed to other sorts of people and they're going to go to inside restaurants and they're, you know, going to hang out in hotel lobbies or whatever they're going to do. They're, they're going to be exposed and they're going to run the risk of then exposing other people. So unless, you know, there's pretty much a uniform commitment from the players that as they are traveling, they're, they're, they're not going anywhere. I mean, they're going to be at the ballpark and they're going to be in their hotel rooms. Other than that, I'm not sure I, I see how you essentially make this work. Here's some text. Jeff, nope, uh, I think baseball will be done by this weekend. Um, I think the NFL will be axed as well. Jeff, word is Cardinals were golfing at Whistling Straits. Yeah, at least some of them. Now, you wouldn't necessarily think that you know going to a golf course is going to necessarily expose you because you're outside. But I guess I, th- I think my concern would be less that a handful of golfer, uh, the players go up to golf at Whistling Straits. It's more were there others that were out and about in, in bars and restaurants and places like that. Jeff, the only way this season would have had a chance is if they did a bubble like the NBA. But with how much arguing happened just about the salaries, there's no way that anybody would have agreed to a bubble. Dick from Grafton says, Jeff, Major League Baseball is toast. Well, I hope that's not, I hope that's not, you know, the case, but I mean, the early results aren't promising. Uh, Chuck says, Jeff, 
90-10 is a really, really optimistic assumption on your part, don't you think? I think this will be done by Wednesday. Well, I... I don't know if that's exactly the case, but you, you've got you, you then you, you get to a point and, and right now major outbreak on the um, major outbreak on, on the Marlins team, less of outbreaks, a couple positive tests for the Phillies, a couple positive tests for the, the Cardinals. Uh, but so so it, it's not all across all 30 teams. The problem becomes now that you start losing these games, you've also got a 60-game season. So you, you put this in. It's a compact season. You're now starting to lose lots of games there. And by the way, did you see what's going on on the East Coast? Well, there's a hurricane that just it missed Florida, but it's working its way up to the East Coast. They're going to have torrential rains. So you're going to be losing, I, I would assume, you're going to be losing a whole bunch of games to just ordinary rainouts and stuff over the course of the next couple of days. That puts your schedule even more more and more behind and if you're trying to get 60 games in by the end of September it, it it just becomes a battle you can't keep losing big chunks of games to make it work how does this end up working well I, I think you know it, it's got to be I think a recognition by the players that they are particularly vulnerable and given the fact that there is this travel involved and there's this inherent risk it's just riskier when you're traveling and you're going from city to city and you're going to hotels and you're eating out at at restaurants even if it's outside or whatever it's that movement that I, i think you know poses the extra risk plus to the extent that you've got some players who decide that they're not going to completely follow all the protocols i again i i'm i'm at 90 10 hope i'm wrong Hope they're able to pull this off because I think it is absolutely great that baseball is back. I'm just, I'm more skeptical than I ever was. As it stands now, the Brewers game with the White Sox, the really delayed home opener, is scheduled for this evening. And you can hear it here on WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Well, I hate to say I told you so. Actually, I don't hate to say I told you so. I, I told you so. The, you know, one of the things that was going on in Portland is the the mayor and the governor completely lost control of, of the streets and, and allowed rioters and looters and people pro anarchists essentially take over the streets night after night, night after night. The president sent in federal troops to protect some of the federal buildings. Now, I understand the president's motivation in doing this. Here, Here is the problem, especially in today's hyper-political world. The federal troops became the, the issue. And so what you had is you had the rioters and the looters and the anarchists. They used the presence of federal troops as essentially a cover to justify what they wanted to do. And then you had, of course, again, people trying to hop on the, the political issue here. And so you had the governor and you had the mayor, you know, denouncing that the federal presence there to try to protect the federal buildings. And so that was my point all along was by, by sending in federal law enforcement agents, by sending in DS people from Homeland Security or DEA or whatever to protect the buildings, what happens is you make the federal personnel the issue as opposed to the looters and the rioters, etc. So ultimately, they cut a deal. The federal presence was largely removed from Portland. And for at least a couple nights, 
you did not have anywhere near as much violence. I'm not saying you didn't have violence and looting, etc., but you didn't have as much until Saturday night rolled around. And then what happened is you had a lot of the rioters and the looters and the anarchists, they gathered outside a police station, a police district, and threw bottles and rocks towards the officers and the frozen water bottles and things like that. So it, it was not as out of control as, as previous things had been. But, you know, they had they declared it an unlawful assembly and they made a handful of arrests. Apparently, there were 100 to 200 people that were engaging in violent activities. They arrested two. Don't ask me how you can only arrest two out of a couple hundred, but that's what they did. But again, this by, by t- removing the federal presence, you removed the justification that some of the anarchists, looters, rioters, and arsonists were using for their behavior. And it did calm things down for a day or two. Now that they're out there, again, demonstrating what their true agenda is. But this goes back to my basic theory, which is kind of you, you broke it, you bought it. All right, the federal presence is now out, largely out of Portland. Right now it's on the governor, and now it's on the mayor to protect the buildings, stop the looters, stop the anarchists, stop the rioters. And if they don't do it, why, I think the taxpaying, law-abiding citizens of Portland now need to focus their their unhappiness where it really belongs, which is the failure of civilian authorities on a local level and a state level to control those who do not want to be controlled. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The COVID-19 pandemic is still taking its toll across America. How will this impact schools in the fall? Join us next Tuesday. That is a week from tomorrow, August 11th, for WTMJ Cares, a special roundtable hosted by John McCure. We'll have education experts here to answer any questions you have about K-12 through schools, colleges, and universities' plans for the fall and heading into next year. If you have a question that you'd like answered during the roundtable, please call 414-203-8105. Leave us a message with your question. That's 414-203-8105. WTMJ Cares, powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum, sponsored by Acunet Mortgage, Gruber Law Offices, Holiday Automotive, and Brett Ochtenhagen Seasonal Services. Okay, uh, late last week, Governor Evers, after saying that he did not have the authority to impose a statewide mask mandate, decided to impose a statewide mask mandate. The mandate says now through, it started Saturday, and starting Saturday evening through the end of September, unless it is extended or overruled by either a court or struck down by the legislature, which, by the way, has the authority to do that. The legislature could convene in special session, and they could vote to nullify the governor's order. So they have the authority to do it. Whether they'll do it or not, I think is kind of up in the air. But they've got the authority to do it. But anyhow, the governor has now said, essentially, with a handful of exceptions, when you are inside buildings other than a personal residence, you are required to wear a mask. Um, They encourage you to wear masks outside as well, but it applies inside. There are exceptions. Restaurants and bars, for example, you're not required to wear the mask while you are in the act of eating and drinking. How that actually works out is, again, remains to be seen. Okay, there are a number of law enforcement agencies just throughout our immediate area who are saying, well, okay, that's fine that the governor has imposed this order. But regardless of the merits of it, don't expect us to enforce it. 
Waukesha County Sheriff's Department says it's not going to investigate or respond to reports of mask violations. They say, look, we've we're we, we've just we've got enough other stuff to do. Don't don't bother calling us. This isn't going to happen. Um, I'm just looking to story in the Journal Sentinel, Heartland Police Department. They say, hey, this is a state forfeiture. We're you know, we're 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 not going to be involved in this. Muskego Police Department says it will not respond. West Allis Police Department says we're not going to actively enforce the mandate, Menominee Falls Police, Germantown, they, they all go on and they say, look, we're, we're just, don't call us to enforce the, this mandate. You know, we'll explain to people that, yes, there is this order here, but we're, we're not going to be arresting people. We're not going give, to be giving citations. We're not going to be sending things over to the district attorney's office or to local city attorney's offices to issue citations to anybody. So uh, essentially, they are hoping for voluntary compliance. Over the last couple of days, I had occasions. Now, forgetting the statewide order, Milwaukee, the city of Milwaukee's order is much more extensive. Not only does the city of Milwaukee's order apply to interior spaces, but keep in mind, city of Milwaukee says you're supposed to wear a mask when you're outside if you're going to be coming into contact within two yards of someone. And I, I again, it's all anecdotal. I, I drove around on two separate occasions to different parts of the city of Milwaukee over the weekend. I saw a number of people who were, in fact, outside, um, including people who were, like, working outside. I would guess the outside mass compliance outside. Maybe, maybe 20 percent, maybe, maybe, maybe one out of five uh, and, and 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 maybe that maybe it's a little bit more than that, but it certainly wasn't anything close to universal compliance. And of course, the city of Milwaukee is just crime is out of control. So obviously, the Milwaukee Police Department is not going to be enforcing you know mask rules. It, it's just it's just not going to happen unless somebody gets into a fight or something at a place where they're wearing a mask or not wearing a mask or, or whatever. But it doesn't appear to me that there's any sort of compliance that is being ma- mandated. That is that people are getting arrested or cited or whatever. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. I, I For the purpose of this conversation, I do not want to debate whether or not the governor should have issued his mask requirement. All right, let's put that aside. He did. He went ahead and did it. I don't want to argue whether it was good public policy or bad public policy. For the moment, I don't want to argue whether he was legally entitled to do it. I don't want to discuss whether or not the legislature should convene to overrule it. Okay, let's put those all aside. I want to talk about enforcement, given the fact that the governor now has issued the order. Should local law enforcement agencies be enforcing this? Should the sheriff's department be enforcing it? Should police departments be enforcing this? Should we be doing enforcement checks, walking into stores, seeing whether people are wearing masks, walking into, you know, whatever? Should we be enforcing this? Or is the appropriate response to say it's an order, but let's treat it like a suggestion? 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. It's an order. Should it be enforced or should it be, again, we'll treat it, it's a suggestion. We think it's good. 
You're supposed to do it, but wink, wink, nod, nod. If you don't, nothing's going to happen to you. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In order to be consistent with this, see, part of my problem with issuing orders that you have no intention of or ability to enforce, I think if that's the case, that then you shouldn't be issuing the orders. But again, I don't want to argue about the merits. Should this be a priority or even an issue for law enforcement? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, now again, I, I don't want to, I don't want to have the conversation about whether or not the governor had the legal authority to issue the, the mask mandate. Don't want to discuss whether it's good public policy or not. He, he went ahead and did it. So now my question is, should area police departments Health departments, should they be enforcing this? Because already we have this, this pretty large groundswell among law enforcement agents saying, don't, don't call us. You know, so it's, it's less a rule as opposed to more of a, of a suggestion. All right. Should it be enforced? And my point has always been, if you're going to, if you're going to impose government ordered rules, mandates, whatever, you need to have an enforcement mechanism. It's pretty clear they, they don't. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Tim in Fredonia. Tim, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Good afternoon. Happy Monday. Sir. You know, Jeff, it's, it, all, it all starts out with, you know, the very people who are calling for defunding of the police want turn around want the police to be able to enforce a, a oh. call it against the very people they're supposed to protect their constitutional rights. So please, no, please don't have the manpower to do this, Jeff nor the health departments of Ozaki County or Washington County or Dodge County. They don't have the resource to do that. So, you know, in, in all essence, no way. They don't have the time. There's a lot more crimes to worry about, especially in the escalating crime society of today, Jeff. Right. So it's just kind of your, your philosophy is it's a suggestion. We, we, we encourage people to do it. We say it's a rule. But if people don't follow it, it's, it's, it's just their choice. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. And no, the th- way to do that, Jeff, is to leave it up to the business owners. Right. Well, thanks for. Well, I mean, I I will tell you. I mean, where the places where I go to shop, Tony Evers rule or no Tony Evers rule, most in the places that I go. And again, this is anecdotal. You know, the the stores that I go to in the area where I live, most people, most of the stores, request people to wear masks when they're in the stores, and most of the people, most of the stores I go in, people are wearing masks. So, I mean, I I think there's all sorts of voluntary stuff. Now, that that might, again, this is anecdotal. It's the places where I live. Um, So, you know, when when I go into the various grocery stores I shop at, I would say 80% of the people have masks on. And my guess is, if I got to stop off for something, you know, on my way home today, and my guess is it's still going to probably be eight or nine out of 10 people. I, I don't know that you're necessarily getting more compliance, but people are complying voluntarily. That has been my experience. But all right, if, if there's, if people aren't complying, should we have law enforcement crack down on this? And is that even possible? Here's a text, Jeff. On Saturday, I was at Bradford Beach. I took a picture of people. Almost no one was wearing a mask. Couple hundred of people in close proximity to each other. Well, um, 
Yeah, there you have it. 855-616-1620. How aggressive should we be in enforcing this? Let's talk to, uh, oh, we've got Kenosha County Sheriff David Beth on the line. Sheriff, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. Okay, what is the Kenosha County Sheriff's Department going to do with this order? Well, the way I read it, it's going to be very, very difficult to enforce because if you have a medical condition, if you have other if you have other things that keep you from wearing it, and you have to carry any documentation that shows that you you have this restriction. So I, I, I struggle to think we're going to enforce the actual um, not wearing a face mask or wearing a face mask. I could picture a business saying, this person came in, we're requiring face masks, he's being disorderly, yep. and we have to go deal with it on that level. Um, but do I picture us going out there and writing any citations for not wearing a face mask? I don't. Right. Or any sort of undercover operations where you, you you take an undercover sheriff's deputy and you send them into a store and you look for people that aren't wearing masks or something and, and then write them citations. You don't anticipate something like that. Not for a second. No, yeah, yeah. we don't have the people to do that. Right. Well, no, and I, I guess that, see, I guess sheriff, to me, that that makes sense. I can understand what I would call secondary enforcement. If there's a a disturbing the peace, or there's a fight, or something that breaks out over that, then you you answer the report and you're investigating the disturbing the peace or the disorderly conduct or or whatever. Seems to me that's the only. From a practical perspective, that's pretty much all any law enforcement agency is going to be able to do. I believe that to be true. That's the way we're going to deal with it. And, and really during this entire, um, ever since March, since this whole thing started, we haven't written a single citation for, for any violations of anything. It, it, and we've, we found that everybody was pretty compliant. They may not have agreed with it, right. but they're pretty compliant in, in what businesses and other people really want them to do. Right. Sheriff, thanks so much for joining us. That's uh, Kenosha County Sheriff David Beth. You know, he also alludes to the, the other thing, which kind of ties into this larger question. Let's say law enforcement goes out and they issue a citation. All right. What, what happens then? As we have talked about on multiple occasions, the, the DA's offices and the court system pretty much closed down. I mean, there, there, there's, you know, you talk to police, and one of the things they're going to tell you, one of their frustrations is that they catch people who are committing crimes, and if you thought our system was catch and release beforehand, short of serious, serious crimes, sh- short of murder or kidnapping or sexual assault or things like that, it's pretty much catch and release because they're, they're trying, first of all, you, you've got the court system that's operating at at way below its capacity. You've got this concerted effort to let's not put people in the jails so the inmates or the people who are being detained might not, might be less likely to get COVID-19, all those things. So can you imagine if if we're just taking car thieves, and this is what's happening, and turning them loose, you know, you catch them, you just put them back out on the street. Okay, what happens when the people who get these citations, I would imagine for whether it's a city attorney's office or a DA's office, you know, it's like, okay, trying to enforce these mask violations is way, 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 way down there on the list. If we're, again, if, if we're releasing car thieves um, on on really low bail from a priority perspective, it seems to me this is down the line. And that's like I say, to me, I, I think this is this is a suggestion. And by making it by making it a rule, you probably do get some more people to comply.
I, I think there, there's probably an element to that. But if the idea is we want to take law enforcement resources and we want to devote them to being the mask police, I, I think at that point in time, you, you really do have to start to question the priorities. I mean, you've seen what the homicides are that are going on in the city of Milwaukee. Don't don't get me wrong. I I, I just I, I'm not if the Milwaukee Police Department. And, and, of course, if you're going to send out health inspectors, they probably have to have backup from the police department. If they're going to confront a group of, I don't know, 20 people that are gathered together in a park and they're not wearing masks, they're not social distancing. If you're going to send out a health inspector, they, they probably got to have police backup. And is that really where you want the police department encouraging and, and spending their, their resources? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. Let's talk to Neil and Racine. Hi, Neil. Hi there. What do you think? Hello. Yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, I I think it's pretty irresponsible for the uh, for the law enforcement places to come right out and say that they're not going to enforce it. I mean, that's just like taking the teeth out of it. How about you just tell your officers, look, we're not going to write up tickets. Just if you see somebody, you know, warn them about it or whatever. Because now you just basically made it. And, and the other thing, Jeff, is majority of businesses, majority of businesses want it to be enforced. Should they, they be the one that has to have a guard by their front door? Well, n- you got to enforce it. Well, OK, so you do. You, let's say that you have somebody that's going into the hardware store and the hardware store's got to sign up with a copy of the, the governor's order on it. And somebody's not wearing the mask. What What is your solution? Do you think Sheriff Beth should have undercover officers in the hardware store to catch the person who's not in the mask? No, but if a person, if a law enforcement person sees somebody without a mask mm-hmm. and warns them, don't you think that guy's going to start wearing a mask? Don't know. I mean, isn't it the, isn't it common sense to do that? I mean, we, and, and the other thing is we've taken with the state assembly and, and legislature and the Supreme Court to take it all the teeth out of anything. He did what he could do by by putting in, in you know putting whatever he could into law, whether it's a law or not, in the legislature. Go ahead, bring the legislature back and vote down this law. Hopefully we can get some other people in office. Next well, time. I mean, I, I tell you, Neil, I mean, I, I think th- there is a there is a very good chance that that's going to happen. It's going to depend in part, I think, on whether the governor, who initially took the position that he did not have the authority to issue a statewide mask mandate, whether he tries to take this further. And I, I will tell you, one of the, the things that's bubbling now is whether or not the governor, under the guise of his emergent this emergency order, is now going to say that no schools can reopen. Now, he hasn't done that yet, but there, there, that's the... That's the thing that I know a lot of people in the legislature are watching. Is he going to use the same sort of authority to say, okay, we're, we're not going to allow any schools to reopen for in-person instruction? And it, I wouldn't be surprised if I see that in the next week or two. That could, I, I think, prompt the legislature to act, or maybe concern that he will do something like that might prompt the legislature to act. You're also going to have the lawsuits. But again, I, that's that, that's the conversation for a, another time. As to your point that you you want the police or you want law enforcement people trying to enforce this, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'd rather I'd rather have them pulling over the guy that goes through the red light, you know, at, at sixty miles an hour in the thirty mile an hour zone. I mean, if we're going to prioritize resources, it's just it, it seems to me that that's. That's not where we want to go with this. Now, I mean, if the governor's purpose is, all right, I'm going to make this an order, 
And I'm going to hope that that's just going to have a bunch of people comply with it. And I think there is an element to that. I think maybe people are more inclined to comply with something if it's the rules, because basically most of us, I think, try to follow the the rules. So maybe just by having this order, there's more authority to it. But I think as far as the police departments, I, I think they need to understand and make clear to the public what the expectations are going to be, because if if they have no intention, if if somebody calls in and says, do you realize that there's this gathering in, I, I don't know, that there's this, this gathering in this area and they're not social distancing and there's people in an enclosed space and they're, they're not wearing masks, if, if you're not going to be sending out cops to deal with it, I do think you need to be clear that, okay, we're not sending out cops to deal with this. I, I think the idea, you, you have, the public has to understand what the expectations of this are going to be. And I would have hoped that the governor would have considered how do you enforce things at the time that he issued this order. I, I think it's more like this is just a wing and a prayer. We're going to put out this order. We're going to say that there's a fine, but we really don't know how we're going to go about enforcing it. That, to me, again, I, I just go back to the, the basic thing that issuing orders without any real mechanism for enforcing them makes it kind of like a suggestion. And if we want to call it a suggestion, fine. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. All right, I, I need a report from the, the field. Um, this was the first weekend that Chicago's quarantine order went into effect, at least as it applies to Wisconsin. Over the course of the last several weeks, the mayor of the city of Chicago has been issuing a, an ever-expanding quarantine order saying that if you travel from one of the various states, and there's like 20-some-odd states now that are included in this, if you travel from that state to Chicago, you are expected to quarantine for two weeks, right? And and this, this applies to people who are non-essential workers who might live in Wisconsin and travel to Chicago or, or vice versa. So the, the question becomes, of course, how is this order going to impact people who decide to well, um, frankly, people who decide to go to Chicago from Wisconsin. But more importantly, during the summer, we, of course, have lots and lots of people from Illinois in general and Chicago in particular who come up to Lake Geneva, who go to Door County, et cetera, et cetera, um, to, to spend weekends or sometimes to spend a week. Now, theoretically, if this order were to be enforced and or followed or complied with, well, you, you would think that it would absolutely crater tourism because there's lots of people who, I don't know, you're in Chicago and maybe you got plans to spend the weekend at a hotel in Door County or spend the week in Lake Geneva and knowing that, it, gee, if I do that and I come back from Wisconsin and I'm going to be back in Chicago, I'm expected to quarantine myself for two weeks. Well, you know that that would be a significant deterrent because... 
Well, let's see. I, I, I got to go to work on Monday. I, I'm planning on spending the weekend at my place in Door County. But now if I've got to, you know, I, I guess we can't do that if, if I'm going to comply with this. All right. So that's the big question. Is anybody going to pay any attention to this? So since the Chicago quarantine order went into effect, at least as of last week, they had n- they had not written one ticket. They had not done anything to try to in- enforce this. But they say, okay, thing- things are going to change. If we find out people are doing this, it's it's going to be different. So this was the first weekend it went into effect. Um, I-, I, have, I have acquaintances and contacts in-, in some of the big vacation areas around here. And my question was, did you notice any sort of appreciable change in in travel from people coming from Chicago. So in other words, if you uh, oh, let, let me just use a theoretical example. If you um, run some high-end golf courses like at, at Kohler and you had people who were from Chicago that were planning to come up and play golf this weekend and maybe stay at, I don't know, one of the hotels in, in that area, did you notice cancellations? And I, I asked the same question to some people I know in Door County and also in Lake Geneva. And in, in general, the response I was get I got is no change a- at all. People are either ignoring this quarantine or don't care about whether they get caught or not. And little or no sense of compliance. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, will this work? I mean, the mayor, and this kind of dovetails on what we were talking about in the last segment of the program about it's fine. You you come down with these different orders, and if it's difficult to enforce a mask order, it seems to me it's really, really difficult to enforce a, hey, if you live in Chicago and you go up and you spend the weekend in Door County or Lake Geneva or Kohler and, and you come back, it's and you decide that you're going to go to work the next Monday, that you're not going to quarantine yourself for two weeks. If it's tough to enforce a mask mandate, it seems to me it's almost impossible to enforce that quarantine. All right. Will will this work? Has it worked? My initial input, again, anecdotally from people I know where people just were blowing it off, that this was newspaper headlines. But beyond that, nobody had any intention of changing their plans. All right. Will something like this work? Do you think that people will not come to Wisconsin from Chicago? And by the way, I understand that, you know, just because you see a lot of license plates, uh, Illinois license plates, say, in Door County, doesn't mean that all of them are from Chicago. But it, but a good portion of them might be. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, will this work? Are, is anybody following it? What I'm being told is... Well, nobody's following it, <laughs> that it's just kind of like, all right, this this is the latest order that's there. But, hey, you know, we've we've got a round of golf scheduled at Whistling Straits, and then we're going to play, you know, someplace else, and then we're going to play at Black Wolf Run. And, no, we're 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 not going to give up on that. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's take a quick break. Back with your calls in just a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Uh, Jeff, a group of my family traveled downtown, tra- traveled to downtown Chicago to Navy Pier 
the other day. Some of the other outdoor attractions never received any sort of citation or were told that they needed to stay overnight for the next 14 days. The train from Kenosha was running as scheduled. I'm surprised that they were able to even get on the train with the scheduled trip all the way down to the city without any issues. Not much was open in the city. It was very quiet and easy to get around without a lot of people downtown. Train was about half full with other people going down to Wait for it. Visit for the day. Um, let's see, Jeff. I guess the Illinois people could look at the speed pass from their people coming and going. They would know if you were coming to Wisconsin and back. Well, well, yes. Have you seen what's going on with the homicide rate in Chicago? You're going to be checking people's speed passes? I don't think so. Jeff, um, I was up in Minocqua. I have never seen as many cars bumper to bumper returning from Minocqua to Milwaukee in the Illinois area. Um, da, 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 da. Well, again, this is thing, uh, Jeff, uh, Big Green Lake is an Illinois hotspot. As long as people stay in the area, there is not any sort of problem at all. Jeff, Chicago's order is impossible to enforce. Um, so perhaps maybe there's things they could do to aggressively enforce it, but um, the way they're doing it, not so much so. Um, let's see. 855-616-1620. Mark in Kenosha. Hi, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. Sure. I say, you know, I think that they're in a catch-22 here because you have to put out orders like this. If you don't, then people are just going to do whatever they want willy-nilly and spread it even further. The problem is actually getting people to listen or trying to enforce it is near impossible because nobody, it, it seems like a lot of people, I should say, not, not nobody, but a lot of people are just under the mindset of, I'm just going to do what I want anyways, and what are you going to do to stop me? And uh, unless everybody gets uh, gets a hold of things and realizes, you know, I got to do my part, I've got to cancel that extra trip, I've got to, you know, try and stay home, should we be quarantining? Yes. But are you going to be able to force or convince people to do it? I, I got my doubts. Well, no, and I think and I think that's kind of playing out. I mean, if you've got people, as a practical matter, you've got somebody that owns property in Lake Geneva and lives in Chicago, um, and their their weekends are, they, they get done with work on Friday, and they're up, and they spend the weekends in Lake Geneva or Door County or Green Lake or wherever, I, I just think it's unrealistic to expect that, they're, they're suddenly going to say, okay, I'm going to spend the rest of the summer. I'm going to give up going to my place in Lake Geneva or Door County or whatever. I just don't think they're going to do it. Exactly. And, you know, the thing is, the, the rest of the world has kind of figured this out already. That's why they're, they're getting it figured out so quick. Uh, I, I read a joke online that's just perfect for this situation. It goes, uh, how do you get six Americans out of a car? The answer is you tell them to stay in the car. <laughs> okay. All right. Very. Thanks. I got to think that one through for a second, Mark. But I, I, again, now you can you can argue about the wisdom of this. For example, I think the idea of of Chicago, people in Chicago, the mayor of Chicago, taking the position that one of the reasons that the thing that they need to do to stop the spread of of COVID nineteen is to stop people from traveling to Door County or stop people from traveling to Green Lake, or stop people from traveling to Kohler, or stop people from traveling to Lake Geneva. I I think that's 
absolutely ridiculous. I mean, so it, it's an absurd position in the first place. Now, if you want to say, hey, OK, we, we don't think you should be going to the city of Milwaukee that is a COVID-19 epicenter. At least maybe you could make that that argument. But this idea that, gee, we're we're having people who go to Lake Geneva, of all places, and, and they're coming back to the city of Chicago and, and we're worried that they're going to spread it. I, I think some people look at this and say, look, this is this is ridiculous to try to impose the the statewide kind of bans. It goes back to what I've been saying for the longest time about the whole one-size-fits-all sort of thing. Now, we'll be able to figure this out sometime soon because it, when, when you look at when you look at the, the tourism industry, which has been hit hard as a result of COVID, people aren't people aren't traveling to begin with. But you look at some of the vacation spots, whether it's Door County or whether it's Lake Geneva or the Dells or, you know, the, the area, again, around Green Lake and things like that. You, you'll be able to tell because you have people that have have booked hotels to stay there, and they're, they're people from Illinois in general, and they're people from, you know, uh, Chicago in particular. Matter of fact, somebody texted me that said that Cook County, that this order, this travel ban has now been extended to all throughout Cook County. I'm not sure if that's right or not. But but regardless, my, my belief is people aren't following this, and there's really no practical way of enforcing it. Now, 30 days from now or 60 days from now, we'll have a better idea from of that because we'll be able to say, okay, you know, you had all these people that were – had already made plans and had made golf reservations and were staying at the American Club in Kohler or were staying in Lake Geneva or whatever, did those people from Chicago actually go ahead and cancel their vacations? My guess is that nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, that almost nobody is going to change their plans because the mayor from Chicago says, hey, if you go and you spend the weekend you know, playing golf at, at Kohler, then, you know, when you come back, you're going to have to quarantine for two weeks. My guess is, first of all, nobody's going to change their plans. And secondly, nobody's going to quarantine for two weeks. And third, there's nothing that the city of Chicago is going to be able to do about it, period. It may be different if you, for example, are traveling to Hawaii. And we've talked about this before. Hawaii, which is, of course, an island, you know, has ways of controlling who gets to and from the island. Hawaii has a quarantine. You fly into one of the airports and you are, I am told, met by somebody at from the health department who then, as you get off the plane, they take your temperature, they take your pulse ox, they check out where you're going to be staying, they take this information. If you're staying at a hotel, they verify that you have reservations with the hotel. The hotel gives you a, a card that is only a room key that's only good for one entry. If you leave the room, you've got to go get another card and explain why you left it. Maybe something like that can work in a place like Hawaii where you have a better opportunity of controlling who comes into the various islands. In Chicago, where you've got cars and people driving back and forth, unless you're going to set up checkpoints at the Wisconsin border, there's just no way you're going to be able to make this work. And 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 again, from an enforcement perspective, Who's going to spend the resources? It will be interesting to see, though, whether or not this changes behavior in any sort of meaningful form and whether or not this hurts tourism in the state. My initial impression is I don't think it's going to. And I think, you know, if you look at behavior this weekend, um, my guess is it hasn't changed anybody's behavior this weekend, and it's not going to change anybody's behavior next weekend, and it's not going to change anybody's behavior for the foreseeable future. Time will tell. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
I am surprised it has taken this long. There are there are, are some places that, that candidly you'd think, well, I, I I don't think it's likely that you're going to have the spread of COVID nineteen. For example, golf courses. And, and that's why I, I thought early on when the governor had the safer at home order, his requirements and rules about golf courses, I, I thought, were were a stretch. I mean, essentially, because what we've learned about COVID-19 is, as a general rule, it, can it spread outdoors? Yes, it can. But it's less likely to spread outdoors than it does to spread indoors. And and that's why, for example, you know, you, you see everybody saying, oh, and we had all these different protests. You know, we don't believe that that led to the spread of COVID-19. Well, if the protest didn't, for example, being on a golf course would, wouldn't either. You you wouldn't think. But there there are perhaps exceptions to that. And the traditional water park, I, I have to admit, now I understand COVID doesn't spread in the water. At least that's what they say. But that's not what water parks are about. You know, you go to these water parks and you have all these kids and the kids are all running up the ladder to go down the giant slide and they're all jumping on top of each other and it's the lines and all that. I would have thought that candidly, you know, if you were looking for places that would be COVID hot spots, uh, water parks would be one of them, which is one of the reasons why, for example, you know, a lot of a lot of public cool pools are, are closed this summer. They're not water parks, but water parks are like the public pool on steroids. In any event, Noah's Ark, which is one of the big water parks up in uh, Wisconsin Dells, that that opened up in June, and I I admit that I was kind of it opened up on June 20th, and I admit I was kind of. Huh, what's the over under on how long Noah's Ark is going to be able to stay open? Uh, again, because you've got the employees and you've got all the patrons and you've got kids and everybody's running around and they're in close quarters. Um, Noah's Ark made it for a while. The report is that Noah's Ark has, has now, you know, closed down, at least temporarily, because a, a couple of the workers tested positive for COVID 19. But they were able to stay open for. I mean, five, six weeks, and presumably they're, they're going to reopen again. So they've figured out a way to make it work. How that's going to work out with the new statewide mask mandate is going to be another question. But um, they, they were able to pull it off candidly for longer than I thought they would, and certainly a lot longer than Major League Baseball. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right. Here's the question, Gru. Let me put this to you. Do you know what? Do you know what this weekend is? Do you know what's happening this weekend, Gru? Producing the show today and always. Do you know what big event is happening this weekend? You no, no? I, I have no idea. What event? All right, I'm going to give you a clue. There may be as many as 250,000 people from all over the world attending this event. It is definitely going to be the largest single event in a post-coronavirus world. You know what the event is? No? I have no, no idea. idea. Okay, that's because you are not a biker. This Friday is the start of the Sturgis Bike Rally. It, and, of course, it, it, perhaps you are familiar with Sturgis, but uh, this will be – what is this? What year is this? I got it written down here. This is the um, – dot, 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 dot. This is this weekend, starting on on Friday, is the annual bike rally. And the, the guess is, the estimate is that there will be 
250,000 bikers who will be coming from all over the United States and to an extent all over the world, although it's tough to get into the United States from other places, for what is the 80th edition of the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. So you have people that are, you know, and it's, it's for all sorts of motorcycles, but it's it's a giant Harley rally as well. And if you've ever been to Sturgis, and, and I have not, but I've seen the pictures and I've watched the TV show Full Throttle Saloon, which is, there, there's all these like like giant biker bars that, that's set up for, you know, this this 10 days. Typically, it draws about half a million people. Now it's drawing, this year they estimate there's going to be about 250,000 people that will be coming from all over. I'm, I'm looking at, you got some of these big bars that make, they, they essentially, they make they're all their money. It's kind of like, you know, fireworks stands that make all their money, you know, in the week before the 4th of July and New Year's Eve. Well, in Sturgis, a lot of these businesses make all their money during the 10 days of the, the rally. Some of these big bars, they only only open up for the biker rally. So it's kicking off this Friday. There were a number of residents of the town, and Sturgis is in the Black Hills of South Dakota, that the town itself is only 7,000 people. <laughs> so you're going to have, in a down year, you're going to have a quarter million people descending on, on them. And apparently the the residents of, of the town had petitioned to, to kill the rally this year because of the coronavirus concerns. But they were overruled by the the business community, who said, "Look, this is this this is you know we we need this you know we need the people coming in here we need them spending the money, and for a lot of a, a lot of motorcycle enthusiasts that you know they, they go to Sturgis every year. Plus, this is the thing. Okay, we're going to be camping, we're going to be outside, etc. But you know, there's going to be all sorts of people packed into you know different." areas, camping or not, you know, at these giant bars and things of the like. South Dakota does not have a, a statewide mask mandate like Wisconsin does. And again, these are, my, my guess is very few bikers would be doing this anyways. All right, our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Sturgis has made the decision that they're going to go ahead and hold the rally. And again, the story I'm looking at in the Associated Press says about 250,000 people are planning to attend the rally. Now, maybe it'll be 150,000, maybe it'll be 300,000. I I don't know. But you're going to have this massive biker rally, and it's going to occur. Right? Here's my question. Would you go to this? Are you planning to go? Do you think it is insanity to have something like this given you know where we are with the pandemic or i don't know if you're going to be able to pull something off is this is this the opportunity 855-616-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line i i will and again i'm 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 not a i'm not a motorcycle rider so although one of my very dear friends used to work for harley before he retired and he he would be at this on a on a regular basis you know um i if i were a rider and even if I liked going to Sturgis, I think I would be reluctant to go this year. This year might be a hard pass for me. But what do you think? 855-616-1620. Is it irresponsible to go ahead and hold this rally at this point in time in history? We discuss in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Oh, 
Oh, by the way, the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, is out with a report. Remember when uh, we made the decision to go ahead and have the, the election in April and you had Governor Evers saying, this is irresponsible and people are going to die? Uh, the new report found uh, that no, no, it didn't happen like that. Uh, as a result of the election, quote, no clear increase in cases, hospitalizations, or deaths was observed after the election. So in other words, for everybody who was making those predictions that this was going to be a recipe for a spread of the pandemic, didn't happen. Now, you can figure out why, but bottom line is they, they were wrong when they made the predictions that going ahead and having the election in person was going to result in all these horrible things didn't happen. Okay, this weekend, starting on Friday, it's the 80th annual Sturgis Bike Rally. This year, instead of the typical half a million people, they anticipate that 250,000 people are going to be coming. Would you go, especially if you've been to Sturgis before, or would this be one of the years where you just kind of take a hard pass? People in the community... Um, in general, they were trying to get it canceled, but the business community stepped up and said, "Hey, look, this is you know this is a gold mine for us. We can't cancel it." And they anticipate two hundred and fifty thousand people will be there. Bob in Waukesha. Bob, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Jeff. What do you think? Uh, I've, I I represented Harley Davidson in two thousand nine uh, at, at Sturgis, and and I've also been to, to Daytona. And and I I think if you've been to one, you've been to all. Uh, okay. Absent the pandemic, uh, I, I wouldn't go. I, I I'm this is dollar motivated. Uh, I get that, uh, and uh, I, I just I'm just not comfortable with the decision to continue right. along. I've got something anecdotally for you, Jeff, and I will clean it up if you don't mind. As long as you clean it up so I don't have to hit this button that's right by my right hand, okay? (laughs) Don't hit the button. Be on the ready, but don't hit it. Uh, We had had an absolutely gorgeous young lady walk through our booth, and she had a T-shirt on, Jeff, at Sturgis, that said, I'm here to drink, and and I'm done drinking. (laughs) And And I immediately called my wife. (laughs) <laughs> and I said, Rosemary, you won't even believe this. That's right. But I'm, and guess what? I'm bringing you a T-shirt like that home, honey. <laughs> thanks for the call. Hey, guess the T-shirt I just thanks for the call, Bob. Thanks the T-shirt, the T-shirt I saw, uh, honey, and I'm, I'm bringing one of those home, and we're going to wear it to the uh, church festival the the other day. Um, okay, let's see, Jeff. I have two friends going and catching the tail end of it. Jeff, I am planning on going. I will be there. Um, let's see, uh, da, 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 Jeff. Um, um, I'm leaving for Sturgis on Wednesday. Okay. Um, Jeff, we're near Ottawa State Park. We got about 10 drops of rain. Okay. Um, let's see. There's all sorts of people that are heading out. Um, let's see here. Uh, uh, Jeff, they are Harley riders. 90% of them don't wear a helmet. Um, just riding there is more dangerous than coronavirus is. Why would they care? Okay, Jeff, I'm on the fence about this, but I think I'm going to err on the side of caution, and I'm going to pass. I'm thinking about the speculation about the dearly departed Herman Cain, who recently passed from COVID after attending an unmasked rally. I think the risks are too high. Here's an interesting one. Jeff, if nothing else, it should be a huge chest of just where we are with COVID-19. Medical officials should track all attendees and see how many end up positive. 
personally, I think whoever attends is absolutely crazy. I'm not taking that chance. Gianni in Montello. Gianni, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, uh, at least once in your lifetime, you got to visit the the, the motorcycle rally in in Sturgis. Uh, I was out there 20 years ago. A friend of mine, uh, we rode out on bikes, and I don't ride anymore. Um, I'm getting up there uh, to be an old geezer, and my reflexes aren't good. But hey, um, it, it is you know it, it's it's not just hanging out in bars and and, and that um, it, yeah. in Sturgis. It's also about the trip out there, sure. and you you won't find a more beautiful ride between Wisconsin and the Black Hills. And then when you get out there, you've got all that great riding in the Black Hills. It's a wonderful place to be in the summer. And, you know, if you, if you do social distancing, um, you know, the chances of, of uh, you know, contracting the virus. Okay, I think, so, so would, like, would you, know, you go, okay, not, so not like any, would, you, would you go this year, Gianni? In, uh, in Wisconsin. Would you go this year? If I had a bike, yeah. I, I would go and I would maintain my social distancing and wear a mask and, and stay out of the, the uh, hot, sweaty, crowded bars. Okay. But there's a lot more to do out in the Black Hills. No, 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 it's great riding. Matter of fact, I, I have, I in another life, when I was much, much younger, I had, matter of fact, I dated a woman who lived in Rapid City, South Dakota, and I can remember driving out to Mount Rushmore and things like that. I just, I, at the same time, and I... And, and look, I, I'm, I'm not, and believe me, I, I know some of people who are regular listeners call me on this all the time. I, I think all along, I think I have had a, a measured response to coronavirus, that measured being, I don't think it's a binary choice by, you know, there's, there's some people that say, well, you know, we, we just all have to shelter in place and people are dying and, and we, we can't go out till there's a vaccine. And if that's three years from now, that's three years from now, and we'll close down business, etc. And then there's other people who say, well, let, let's just have a party. I, I'm, I'm in the middle. I think you have to go about living life. You have to try to do it in a smart fashion and you have to stay out of, of settings that I think pose an an unreasonable risk, which is why I cringe when I see these photos of, hey, it's it's spring break at Gulf Shores, and let's see how many people we can pile on onto the beach. Um, I think you have to have a, a balancing approach. I'm not ready personally, and maybe it's just a factor of my age. I, I'm not ready to say, okay, I'm I'm going to go sit next to twenty thousand people in, if I serve for them. Uh, okay, I, I just I, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not saying I won't be at some point in time. Obviously, I will, but I'm not ready for that or be one of forty some thousand people at Miller Park. I just I'm not ready for that personally. And two hundred and fifty thousand people, you know, crammed together in a in the surrounding area of a small town. I just I, I don't think I would do it. Don't feel comfortable with that, Mike uh, in Madison. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty in my mind, flexible about what people want to do with attending things. I think most people are cautious. The average, I had to look this up because I thought this was true, but the average Harley buyer is in their 50s. Mm-hmm. And you figure if that's the average buyer, perhaps the average older owner is even older. I, I just think, I mean, I'm not going to tell them not to go, but if it were me, I would not be going out there the way those things are set up. I was out there once just driving through coincidentally and got to see it. And it was very cool, very exciting and fun, but... I would not be going right. to this if the average age is above 50. Right. And there's not a lot of, let, let's face it, there's not a lot of social distancing going on. I mean, it's everybody's crammed into no. a small area. Now, right, you might be at a campground and stuff. But, be, 
it's going to be a good case study, though, right? Because I think people are going to go. It's going to be a big. It's going to be a big event from the whole United States. It'll be one of those few times where we'll be able to take a look at it because it's also going to be that population where I think people can back up and just say, okay, who was there, and what yeah. what happened as a result of that. I think it's going to be interesting, and yeah. and I hope not detrimental to people. I, I think you know, I, I think it'll be a good yeah. time, but hopefully, people are smart about their distancing. It would be a hard pass for you this year, though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, thanks for calling. No, I, I think that that will be curious. Uh, okay, here's the text, Jeff, Jeff. I would be afraid of catching something even worse than COVID at Sturgis. I'll just kind of let the mind reel backward on that one. I, I just I thought this was interesting because in an era and a time where pretty much everything, pretty much everything has has been canceled. And if it's a large gathering, if it hasn't been canceled, it's been scaled down. I know we, we've, we've Disney World in Florida has reopened, for example, but it's reopened with all sorts of strict limitations on numbers and things like that. This is this is going to be the, the biggest mass gathering of tons of people in a relatively small space that we've had since the outbreak. And I do think it's going to be an interesting, you know, kind of Petri dish thing to see, you know, what what's going to happen and, um, you know, from contract tracing, et cetera, et cetera. Would, would I go at my advanced age? I, I, this would be a hard pass for me, but I think a lot of people, they, they go every year. They're going to continue to go. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Wilford Brimley passed away. You know who he was, Grill? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I, I just every once in a while, there are. And if you're a regular listeners program, you know that I'm kind of tuned into pop pop culture, and I am sort of a movie aficionado. Uh, and and there's a lot of big stars in in movies, and, and you all know the names of the the big stars, and the big stars kind of come and go. But oh, this is a Cary Grant movie. Oh, this is a Clark Gable movie. Oh, this is a Humphrey Bogart movie. This is a Robert Redford movie. This is you know it, it Al Pacino, Robert Duvall, Robert you know De Niro. It, it goes on and on. But but every once in a while, there's the, these characters who pop up in in roles that just flat out steal the movie, and Wilford Brimley was one of those sort of actors. Um, if you're not familiar with him, um, a couple where I where I first really noticed him was the 1979 movie. It's um, uh, Electric Horseman. With Robert Redford, Jane Fond, and Willie Nelson, well, he has a a small role. Just it's it's about five minutes towards the second third of the movie, and I, I, I it's the first time I saw the guy on the screen that I remember. And I go, my God, this guy is is just absolutely great. And then, 1981, there's a Paul Newman movie with Sally Field called Absence of Malice, and Wilford Brimley plays this a federal prosecutor, um, and the the movie is about. You know, uh, how th- this, how a, a Sally Field, who's a journalist for like a Miami newspaper, gets, gets hoodwinked by an aggressive prosecutor who's trying to 
um, use to play the media to, to a certain result. And this is the time when I was in law school and getting ready to be a federal prosecutor myself. And I, you know, Wilford Brimley comes in towards the end of the movie and just steals it. I mean, if you if you if you Google like the last the last ten minutes of the movie, he he's in it and he just flat out steals the the movie. Then he went on. He was uh, in the movie Cocoon, which was a Ron Howard movie in '85, and and it was kind of a starring role that he had there. But he would pop up in these various things. He was in The Firm and a couple other movies as well. But he was one of these guys who just flat out stole every movie, in my opinion, that, that, that he was in. And he was a, a pitch man for Quaker Oats for a while as well, but just sort of this classic kind of Western sort of character with the the, the mustache and all. In, in any event, I loved him in pretty much everything he, he did. And he was one of these guys that my guess is if you saw him, you would recognize him. Oh, yeah, I saw this guy in this movie or that movie, but you wouldn't necessarily know, know his name. I'm not sure he ever got the, the attention that he deserved, never nominated for an Academy Award or anything like that. But he was always one of my favorite favorite actors and he passed away over the weekend um, at the age of of 85 he was a a marine who served in the korean war and in addition to cocoon and absence of malice and the electric horseman he was in the natural with robert redford and the firm with tom uh, um with uh, with tom cruise and a, a number of other movies as well but you know if you if you can't place him just just google him and you'll you'll see immediately you'll know who I'm talking about and you go oh that was Wilfred Brimley just an absolutely tremendous character actor and uh, 85 years old passed away over the weekend of natural causes all right Line and Kugel's brewery Line and Kugel's announces that after well going on 100 years they are going to retire their famous logo featuring a Native American woman. Now, picture, picture Line and Kugel's beer, and all the various other spinoffs that Line and Kugel's makes. So you've got like Liney's Summer Shandy, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and you've got the regular Line and Kugel's beer, which I think is is a very, very good beer. And the the logo features, well, it it features a Native American woman. Um, here, here's the history of this. Let me read you a little bit of a story on this from one of the Eau Claire papers. Back in the 1930s, the Jacob Line and Kugel Brewery was a small brewer with an advertising budget to match. Shortly after the repeal of prohibition, um, brewery leaders decided that the Line and Kugel label, which would come to be a symbol of the family-owned brewery, must reflect the land from where it came. In an effort to reflect the personality of the Chippewa Valley and the surrounding Indian Head geography of northwestern Wisconsin, the face of the mystical and lovely Indian maiden was chose to, chosen to appear on the bottle. Um, it's mostly based on legends, one of the people say. There were a lot of little breweries around, um, about 120 in our state. Our brewery featured a brew called Chippewa Pride, which later evolved into Leinenkugel's Chippewa Pride, and then just to Leinenkugel's. The Chippewa Pride name was eventually phased out. Originally, it was felt that with a name like Chippewa Pride, this is one of the Leinenkugel's explaining this, it wouldn't mean much without an Indian on our label. This is the beer that was coming from an area known as the Indian Head part of the state. It seemed appropriate that an Indian's head should grace the bottles of beer coming from Chippewa 
falls. And then what they did is they they went and they 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 had the these paintings of, of various women, and again, it's a, a traditional kind of Indian maiden, and they have kept that design uh, essentially, you know, since it was you know first rolled out what ninety plus years ago. Well, Line and Kugels is announcing that it is going to for all its product line retire the image of the Native American woman. They say that for the past several months, they've been working to update the look and feel of the brand, and ultimately they have decided to retire the image of the Native American woman. They say um, they're going to make changes to the logo and other imagery related to the brand. The changes will continue through 2021. All right, uh, the new logo is going to be reworked, new graphics that pay tribute to our brewery's home in Chippewa Falls, but in a different reimagined way. Jacob Leinenkugel Brewing Company, part of Molson Coors, founded in 1867 by Jacob Leinenkugel, acquired by Miller Brewing Company in 1988. Now, I want to be real careful here. that The brewery, in making this announcement, is not saying that they are caving into any pressure or forces of, of political correctness with regarding the, the quote unquote Native American woman on, on the label. They're, they're saying, oh, okay, we're just, we're reimagining the brand and so we're, we're updating it and as a result that this logo goes away. So they're, they're not saying that they're, they're caving into again, you know, outside pressure. They're just saying, okay, we're, we're just updating it. We're modernizing it. We've made the decision to, to get rid of this. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, Line and Kugels is getting a lot of, like Summer Shandy and stuff, that's that's very, very popular. But they're getting a, a lot of pressure um, and a lot of competition from other breweries that are making similar sorts of kind of like flavored light beer and things things like that. You can tell I'm not a big Summer Shandy fan, but I know a lot of people are. I I understand why they might want to do some some repackaging for some of the brands that they're trying to roll out nationwide. That being said, for your basic traditional Line and Kugel's beer. That, that continues to be largely a, a Wisconsin, you know, largely a Wisconsin product. I, I think it's a mistake to get rid of the the Native American woman. I don't think there's anything offensive about it. I think that there is a tradition, and candidly, you, you don't throw traditions out easily. If you want to change the logos on maybe some of the national products like the summer shandy etc the stuff that you're trying to compete nationwide with and, and maybe the understanding and the significance isn't as well known that, that that might be fine also i find it difficult to believe to the extent that there might be any sort of pressure i find it difficult to believe that there's too many people in chippewa falls who look at that line and kugel's logo and find themselves offended 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Obviously, businesses have to continue with the times. Obviously, businesses, you know, change their logos from time to time. But I, I tell you, to me, I think that that Indian Maiden logo is synonymous 
with Leinenkugel beer, particularly the original Leinenkugel, and I think it's a mistake to change it, whatever their motivation might be. If you want to change it on some of the other brands, that's okay, but I think the public's going to miss it, particularly the Wisconsin beer drinking public, which is where Leinenkugel's is still the biggest, the original beer. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, the logo featuring the image of the Native American woman on Liney's beer, is it time to put that in the dustbin of history? We discuss. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. All right, uh, Jeff, Line and Kugels is caving into political correctness. I don't believe the reasons. Liney's is my favorite beer. Jeff, what's next? Indian motorcycles. Well, I, you know, you, look, I mean, here, here, here's the, the deal on this. And, and of course, the, the story that, 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 that they're not saying why they're doing it. You know, and they're just saying, okay, we're, we're trying to update the, the logos. But this is, of course, the, the latest move that companies are making to replace what they're calling either dated or racially insensitive advertising logos and, and, and characters. And I guess my, my point is, I don't think this, this Lineys, that the mascot, the logo they use of the Native American woman, I, I don't think it's culturally insensitive. It's certainly not, I, I think, um, it, it's not a caricature at all. As a matter of fact, you know, if you go to the Liney's Brewery, they, apparently they, they still have like giant portraits that this logo originally came from. And I, again, I go back to my basic premise that I don't think that there's, I don't think there's too many people in the Native American community that would look at, for example, this logo, just like people who would look at the logo that Land Lakes Butter used to use and say, okay, we, we're, we find this to be culturally insensitive. I, I just don't think it plays out. It's one thing if you want to make that argument when you're talking about, okay, Aunt Jemima brand pancake syrup or, or pancakes, okay? I, I I understand that. It's one thing if you want to say, okay, we think the term Washington Redskins is culturally insensitive and, and that ends up needing to go. It's one thing if you want to say, okay, we don't like the, the Cleveland Indians with the caricature logo that they, I don't think, use anymore. But I, I mean, I understand that. But there's nothing about the Line and Kugels, Native American logo that they use that I think is racially insensitive or stereotypical or unflattering. Matter of fact, that's why I read the the, the history of this. It was intended as a, a tribute to the area of the state and the community where the beer is made. And it, it remains what they call, again, the Indian head part of, of the state. It's Chippewa Falls, after you know, after all. And I guess we're, we're getting to this point where to the extent that this is motivated in part by political correctness or, well, we, we just think this is culturally insensitive, I, I think Line and Kugels is missing the boat. Now, like I say, if you're for the national brands where maybe it's not as closely identified with the Indian mascot, the the Native American woman, okay, maybe maybe that's where you kind of change it up. But I think I think they're gonna come to regret giving up that particular logo when it comes to their signature flagship beer. And if marketing people think it's a good idea, the marketing people should be replaced because they're wrong. And if they're giving in to, gee, we've got some people who are upset because we think it's culturally insensitive, they're wrong as well. Think Line and Kugel is going to come to regret, you know, this 
decision. Um, Jeff, you can't get caught in the crosshairs of the politically correct mob. Companies are being overly um, cautious. Jeff, first Land Lakes butter. That was my point. Now you're seeing that with Liney's. Um Let's see, Jeff, had this discussion with friends. There are quite a few brands that we were buying because of the label and the origin it represented. Um, now those are, you know, now those are going away. Jeff, Line and Kugels is caving in um, because they don't want the headache. It's sad, but it's true. Well, I, I guess, you know, at some point in time, I, do I understand why corporations, if that's the case, do I understand why corporations do it? Okay, it's just not worth the headache. That that's fine. But when you keep caving and you keep caving and you keep caving, you wonder, you know, at some point in time, do you have to draw the line? And like I say, I think for the flagship beer, they're going to come to regret doing away with this logo that has been the standard bearer of this beer for going on a hundred years. So, Melissa, are you familiar with the Sandbar Bash? Have you been following the story? No, I'm not. Sandbar bash. The sandbar bash. Well, okay. Th- this it's it's actually this is this is this is the the latest new crew. You've ever heard about this? The sandbar bash. You've seen uh, this controversy. Here? I am in the process of typing you an email and sending oh. the story to you. Okay. Oh. Well, it's, well, no, well. Here, here is and and but there's all sorts of quick the sand. Okay. Let me let me kind of back up on this. As somebody who is not in favor of a statewide mask order, but who never and and who but who nevertheless believes that. People should be smart. And I guess part of my thing is I, I want to trust people to do the, the right thing. And as somebody who also thinks that run outside, inside, whatever, getting into large groups right now is just a stupid thing to do. That, that's just that's kind of my overall philosophy uh, about this. All right. Which is why. Even if I were a biker, I would not be going to Sturgis, South Dakota, you know, where 250,000 people. I just, I, I wouldn't be doing it. I, I would not be flocking to a crowded beach. I don't think it's smart to, to do that. But here's, here's the deal. The Sandbar Bash is an annual event up in Oshkosh, Lake uh, Butamore, where it's, it's for the benefit of what they call the Old Glory Honor Flight. And, you know, all sorts of people get together at the lake. There are pictures circulating on social media of large numbers of, of people out on, on the beach with not a single mask to be seen, right? Yeah, I mean, it looks like, uh, like spring, stereo- break. Yeah, st- st- spring break parties. It, it looks like spring break at Gulf Shores or Daytona yeah. Beach mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And it's the, 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 this year's was scheduled for Saturday. And so there's all these pictures and th- that there's all this commentary. Now, the one thing that so far that they can't verify is is whether this was these pictures that are out there now, were they from this weekend or are they from past years? And, and no, nobody knows. For example, story I'm looking, Oshkosh Northwestern says they can't independently verify that images were, were taken in 2020, although some of the stuff that was posted have timestamps suggesting that they were taken Saturday. Right, yeah. And looking at the pictures and the videos, it's it's something. Well, I mean right. I mean it's it's people like there there's these big tents and stuff and there's just people, you know, guys and gals, everybody in swimming suits and stuff and everybody, you know, in in the water and and things like that. Um and I, I don't know what the weather was like in Oshkosh on on Saturday or anything like that. I'm just 
I'm kind I mean, of unclear. It, it looks a little bit cloudy, but I mean, if it was, you know, 80 degrees and pe- people are, you know, in, in swimming suits, they're obviously comfortable. But, right. But yeah, looking at this crowd, I mean, it looks like an outdoor like music festival right. that, that never got canceled or, or there is no pandemic. And there's just... Right. With pe- people standing on the beach and people standing in the lake. And I mean, it's just... And again, I, I don't know. Nobody's verifying for sure whether this was 2020 or not. And I guess that the, one of the reasons I was a little bit skeptical of it is even in large groups, you, you don't see anybody wearing a mask. And and even in large groups, occasionally you'll see one person wearing. None of the pictures I'm seeing, nobody has masks on. And again, I'm I'm not one of these guys who, who is, is is a proponent of like a statewide mask mandate and anything. But having said that, you look at pictures like this, and. And and all I keep thinking of is, is if this really was this weekend, um, you know what? What do they say? You can't fix stupid. <laughs> I, because I, you, you know, you, you just kind of look at something like this and you just sort of shake your head because it's a, it's a lot of a lot of young people though. I will mention that. Like I'm not oh, seeing yeah. a, a lot of you know like boomers or anybody maybe over the age of fifty that was in attendance. Oh here, no, but. no, no, it, no. It, it's it's de- this is definitely the the twenty somethings. There's de- no, that's definitely it. But but of course that's what's that's the thing that, that's driving the increase in the COVID numbers. It's it's not the, it's not the boomers. It's not even the millennials. It's right. you know it, it's the younger people who then get sick. Now the good news is most of the times they get sick and they don't need to be hospitalized because it, it's not as bad if you get it when you're young as if you get old. And there are exceptions to that. I understand. But you know presumably you you go home and you're living with mom and mom is going to interact with grandma and all those type of things. And I guess as somebody who likes to rely on on people just being smart and thinking things through i do acknowledge you just look at a picture like that and if it was from 2020 you sit there and you go what were these people thinking of and the answer is they 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 weren't thinking and that um it makes me worry about outdoor events in general like not knowing what to expect if i decide to go to one like what i mean obviously if i go to if i go to this and i see this crowd here you're turning around. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to go. I'm going to turn around and yeah. go back home. But, I mean, it it makes it really hard to estimate what a crowd is going to look like at an event that you're going to be attending. Well, well, yeah. And, and again, I, I, you know, if, if this was really from Saturday, and you don't know how many people were there, and, and apparently the, the organizers aren't saying anything, and, you know, law enforcement and the health department's not saying, you know, whether they, they knew about any of this or all. But, again, you just... Regardless of how you feel about the big government mask mandates, things of of the like, you you look at stuff like this and you would hope that we everybody could be kind of smarter about things and recognize that it's not a good idea for hundreds or more people to just pile into a confined area for for a, a party, which is why. We, we don't have nice things this summer. It's why we don't have Summerfest, and it's why we don't have State Fair, and it's why we don't have concerts, because there's just too much of a risk. And then if this is, in fact, from this year, and that's an if, don't know that for sure, you look at it and you go, oh, for goodness sakes, what collectively, what were all these people thinking or, or not thinking? Anyhow, this is going to be a big story today. I want to get you a little bit ahead of the, of it, of the curve. It's the Sandbar Bash, and if it was going on up in Oshkosh on Saturday, I'll be the first to tell you the the imagery is not good. You just kind of like shake your head and go, oh, for goodness sakes.